You are listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Solomon Earhart and Alan Draper, where they will discuss scaling and growing your pest control company with the goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, you know, help three people make more money than they've ever made in their lives and you'll make more money than you've ever made in your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times people lose sight of that. You know, it's like we always want to take care of our own, you know, but it's like a lot of times by just helping take care of other people or at least maybe not even taking care of them, but putting them in those opportunities to do so themselves, you know, it inevitably helps you as well. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. This is where you become a bug money millionaire. So I'm stoked about our episode today. We're going to do a little Q&A. And before we get started, we are going to do a little giveaway. If you leave us a five-star review on any podcast platform that you listen to this on, between January 13th and January 27th, so it has to be a five-star review podcast platform between January 13th and January 27th, we are going to give away two 30-minute sessions, one-on-two. So it will be a conversation between you and me and Solomon. So you get both of us for 30 minutes. So we'll be doing two of those. So make sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you can, leave it on Apple. Even if you listen to something else, leave it on Apple. That actually helps more than anything else. So, well, yeah, let's get to it, Saul. What's new in your world? Not much, man. Just, you know, starting the new year, 2022. It's going to be an awesome year. I'm really excited for, you know, what we're going to be doing with the Bug Bucks podcast. Obviously, I'm super excited about what we did last year on this thing in just a short period of time. I think I we know, almost broke, what, 4,000 total downloads, which I mean, yeah. I don't know the, I don't know the stats or rankings and stuff, but to me, that sounds pretty awesome. It's got to be, you know, in the amount of time that we were live or that we had launched the podcast since we launched the podcast, it has to be in the 90th percentile plus of podcasts. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that goes to show you that our listeners are getting some type of value. And that's really what we're after is we're trying to help people become bug money millionaires, right? I just said it in the introduction, but that's the goal. So if there's something that you want to hear about, this isn't you know, for me and Saul, even though we enjoy doing it, it's a lot of fun. But you know, for us, we want to know how to help you guys. So anyway, that's awesome though. No, the podcast has really you know, blown up and you know, we have some big goals for 2022, some big guests in mind. So, you know, let us know in addition to the topics, let us know, hey, is there a guest that you would like us to interview or have on? And and we're going to keep getting better. We're amateurs, man. We're at the heart of it. Saul and I are bug guys, right? We're business owners and we've become podcasters, but we're still learning. So yeah. I mean, honestly, we just get on here and start talking with people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Seriously. you know, so, so if that works for you guys, awesome. But, you know, I know we're going to continue to make this better and, you know, focus on, you know, streamline it to provide just the most value. So super excited to see what lineup of guests we're going to be bringing on this year. You know, obviously after taking a little break on the holidays, we're ready to get back to it. And, yep. you know, obviously there's some big stuff going on in the pest control industry already. 2022, you know, the field routes getting bought by Service yeah. Titan. That's an interesting acquisition. And honestly, I talked with somebody in the industry and they had said something about some of these companies probably getting bought up by Service Titan soon. So I don't know if they had some in on it or if they just kind of had really good intuition into the That's industry. That's funny because at Pest World, 
somebody told me that pest routes was for sale at yeah. pest world. I don't think they knew about the service Titan deal, but they're like, Hey, you watch they're for sale again. And you know, if I had told you that what somebody told me with your knowledge of, you know, service Titan, maybe we could have, you know, connected the dots and known before, but what do you think about that? That was one of the questions I was going to ask you today. Today's format, Saul and I are just going to be shooting questions back and forth to each other about the bug industry. But that was one of my questions that I had written down to ask you is I wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm really interested by it. I mean, my account executive, he called me today and left a voicemail. I didn't, I didn't get an answer because I was in a meeting, but you know, he said that, you know, everything is going to kind of go as is, and they're going to continue to kind of operate. And now they're just going to have a lot more resources and money to kind of execute on some of the stuff that they've been working on. So I'm curious to see how it'll play out in the long run. But, you know, the guy that I had talked to about this before, you know, what he had said is that he foresees in the future that like Visa or MasterCard or something is going to come and buy something like Service Titan and offer the services for free only to make money on the merchant Merchant fees. Because, you know, the real money is in the transactions, right? There's a far more transactions than there are, you know, monthly dues on a customer base or or something like that, like field routes is. So it's really interesting to see how that could potentially play out, but it does make a lot of sense, right? Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, what's funny is, so our buddy Tom in the industry sent a text to me the morning it happened. That's how I found out. He told me about it. And about an hour later... Our account rep from Pest Routes sent a message to me and the guy that runs Proof, David. But the message to us, we're developing a platform that integrates some different tools with Pest Routes, with any platform really. Your voice over IP, it integrates your marketing, and we're still testing it. But Pest Routes knows about this. And that email from our account rep was, Hey, our CEO wants to meet with you guys, but we had to wait until after we announced this merger or this acquisition. And dude, I was like, that's interesting that an hour after it was announced publicly, like we get a message that came from the CEO of Pestrout saying that he wanted to meet about this. So you know, you saying that there's things in the works, that makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah. I mean, when I had met with and chatted with the CEO or field routes, I guess, at Pestworld, you know, they were talking about some like Ring Central stuff. And so I think that they're going to be a lot more open, it seemed like, to creating a lot more integrations, which I know that's something that a lot of people have had some issues with, with pest routes or field routes is that it's super hard to integrate certain things. And it's like they have their preferred partners, which, you know, aren't always the best option. And then if you want to, you got to kind of go through the API and spend a bunch of money to build these integrations out. And so I think that they may be kind of coming around to some of that stuff. And I don't know if you've checked out the QuickBooks integration with field routes yet, but it's actually really, really good. And we're Mm. looking at potentially kind of launching that this year where it basically just pulls in all the revenues and billings and stuff like that automatically through the API because the CEO and the CPO in field routes, they came from Intuit, if I recall correctly. So they came from the QuickBooks company. So I was a little concerned about it at first because I wasn't sure how great it was going to work, but looking Mm. at it and watching the demo and stuff, it seems pretty legit versus like having to pull those revenues in manually. That's cool. And I just heard from our accounting department just yesterday or the day before, and they said, because we have a bunch of different branches that are financially distinct, it causes an issue with that integration. But I keep saying pest routes, but you guys know I'm talking about field routes, right? But field routes is working on that. So I'm interested in seeing what that looks like 
for, you know, moving forward because yeah, it's nice to get everything communicating. There's so much data, right? With a pest control company, there's so much and it would be nice if like, and that's what we're doing with Rana with this integration tool is we're trying to connect as many things as possible. You know, so the idea is with our tool that, you know, the phone rings, voice over IP phone rings, whatever phone system you have, it pulls up the sales route or the uh, field routes, customer's profile. If they're a customer, it'll automatically pull it up. If it's not a customer, it will link to whatever lead source that customer came from and then track, you know, you can just get really granular with the campaigns and track that customer throughout the life of the customer. So you can search, you can do a campaign and you know, in Michigan, we run a pretty heavy campaign for the keyword wasp in August. And so we can see like, hey, how did we do? We spent this amount of money and these are the customers that we got. And it'll be all in one tool. So you don't have to, you know, cross platform some of this. So anyway, that's, awesome. that's, that's where we're headed. Sweet. How's that coming together? It's coming, man. Yeah. We've been using it at Prue for a couple of months, but the marketing company that we were using previously wouldn't give us some of our data. And so we're testing that third tool. So it's early, dude. We're going to put it in the marketplace and get punched in the face and figure it out and make it better. We just want it to be a tool that helps people make more money, help them understand their data a little better. What's happening with a lot of marketing companies is they hold your data hostage and they tell you, they kind of, not all companies, but a lot of them will put it through their own dashboard. Mm-hmm. As opposed to using like a Google Analytics or Google AdWords platform or whatever, they'll send the data through their dashboard. And we've noticed with some of these companies that data gets manipulated a little bit before. Yeah. I was going to say, it's it. like, you know, how can you really trust that 100%, right? It's like, because obviously, you know, that's the thing is like, they're, you know, most marketing agencies or firms are kind of charging you either for work or, and what they're trying to deliver is more or less impressions you know, more or less, but it's like, you know, they could ramp that up a bunch to make it look like they're doing a lot more work and, you know, you don't know. And, you know, if it's not good and the data is not good and you're showing that your cost per sale is maybe 50 or a hundred dollars, but really it's 150, $175. That's a huge difference. And that could drastically affect, you know, the dollars that you're spending or your marketing budget or what you're actually getting from it. Exactly. And a lot of the marketing firms, charge based on your ad spend. So they don't necessarily care how good the clicks are, whether those are generating leads or not. And so we kind of, our concept was let's create a platform where we're like neutral. We don't care how many calls come in. We don't care how many clicks you get. It doesn't change how much you know the platform costs or anything like that. It's just, we're trying to kind of neutralize the data because we saw some of that. So... Well, let's shift gears a little bit. I wanted to ask you, Solomon, what's one of your top focuses for 2022? Yeah. So interesting, you know, obviously as we've been building Rusa and, you know, I've been kind of at the helm running things, you know, we've added a bunch of great leaders and executive leaders onto our team in 2021. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually going to be looking at kind of stepping away from a lot of the day-to-day stuff here in 2022 yeah. and kind of relinquish that to somebody who's way better and way smarter and better suited for it, you know, than I am. And so some areas that I have a big focus on this year that I want to just drastically improve in is really my financial intelligence, right? So I'm kind of going to be putting a lot of my energy towards, you know, just developing a lot more intelligence on the financial stuff. So, you know, P&Ls, balance sheets, cash flow analysis, forecasting, like how to build them, how to analyze them, how to read them, 
you know, how to look through those things too and evaluate and evaluate a company as well too, to, you know, I continue to kind of make money, you know, my goals to kind of get along your lines too, and start investing in other things and too, and, you know, put my feet into other areas. And so you got to be able to look at those reports and understand and determine, is this company worth anything? And if they are, what is that value? And how much should I pay it? And what should I get from that? Yeah, that's awesome. You know what's cool? So I'm completely self-taught with corporate finance, just YouTube videos. You know, I bought a couple of college textbooks. They're freaking expensive, dude. Like used textbooks over a hundred bucks. I went to law school and books were, I'm used to spending 15 bucks to get a really good book, but you know, so I'm self-taught. The cool thing about corporate finance, learning it is it's so applicable. Yep. You know, when I'm watching a YouTube video about how to find issues within, you know, the service efficiency, I can grab my P&L and start looking at my gross profit numbers and start looking at my cost of service or cost of goods sold and breaking it down. And for me, it's a lot easier to learn something when one, you have a real life applicability and two, it's as important and interesting as money, right? So it's definitely something you can teach yourself. That's awesome. And it's you can use it no matter what you end up doing. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm actually using a pro online you know, I guess certification or course thing called like CFI, so like Corporate Finance Institute, you know, it's a few hundred bucks and it's like a full course. I think they say it takes maybe like six months to get through, but you know, a lot of case studies and things like that too. So, you know, same thing that you kind of said though, I feel like, you know, and I didn't graduate college. I went for a few years and I dropped out because I wasn't very bought into it or I wasn't passionate really about what I was learning and saw opportunities in other areas. But it's like, you know, now when you're like in these businesses and you're running a business and you're doing these things, it's like you have so much more enthusiasm to like learn these subjects. Yeah. It's like I feel like if I went to school for finance back then, I probably would not have paid attention no. or actually absorbed any of the information at all because now it just means so much more because so much more is affected by it. Well, and now when you're, and this is for, you know, all PCOs, like when you're learning something, focus on the stuff that is actually going to make your life, your business, your relationships better. So corporate finance, almost every single corporate finance class or course or book begins with the time value of money. That's like right at the beginning. They talk about how the time value money, you know, money now is better than money later always. And they talk about why that's the case and things like that. And there's some theory in corporate finance. And it's nice because now I've run a business for a little bit. I can kind of gloss over the stuff that's like not super applicable to what I'm doing, understand still some of those principles. But no, you're 100% right. Like Whatever we study in school, it's and school has to get to the point where it's a little more applicable. It's like studying geometry or trigonometry, Mm -hmm. dude. It's like, what am I going to use that for? <laughs> exactly. So, well, that's awesome. That's a good focus, man. Yep. So that's kind of going to be my theme for 2022 is just financial intelligence, you know, and obviously I'm going to continue to learn more about, you know, investing stocks, crypto diversification, you know, real estate, things like that. But nice. really it's like, you know, even if you're investing in stocks and real estate, it's like you still need to understand how to read a P&L, read a balance sheet you know, set those statements up and analyze that stuff. So I'm excited. So my question I have for you is, you know, since you guys have multiple branches and I know you guys have different partners and stuff in those, how do you guys structure your QuickBooks or your accounting? Are they all separate 
you know, accounts and chart of accounts, or are you using classes within the same account? Or how are you guys, I guess, doing that? Yeah. And I don't know exactly why we set it up this way, but our branches are all completely financially independent. Even the branches that... So my brother and I own several branches 50-50. But even those ones are completely separate. And all our branches do is service the account, right? They manage and service the account. They're not taking phone calls. They're not ordering product, really. They're not doing any marketing. That's all done with a centralized system. And so the way that it works is we use the centralized system is our operations company that is a break-even company. So at the end of the year, uh, whatever the costs are, we divide those costs among the branches based on their amount of gross revenue. Yep. So whatever their gross revenue is, are you guys using like an intercompany, you know, accounting through, you know, like the intercompany accounting to kind of like divvy that stuff out? Exactly. So they'll make anticipated payments monthly. And then at the end of the year, that will all get balanced out before we close our books for the year. But yeah, long story short, with our partners, and I think that's why is because our first branch had a third partner. And so we're like, we got to create a separate entity and we're glad we did. And we're in different geos, right? We're everywhere from Long Island, New York to Reno, Nevada. And stuff's different, dude. You got to know, like, you got to know what the difference is because bugs are different. Cost of goods sold, you know, is different. Like our payroll is different. Some of my techs would be surprised at the disparity, right? Between mm-hmm. how much they're getting paid just because of just the difference in cost of living. Yeah. You know, where do you notice the biggest gross margin? Like gross profits, is it northern, southern? Yeah, you guys know me. There's a reason why we're going across the northern United States, right? Like, and I have a branch here in Arizona, and it's tougher. But I think that speaks not to the market as much as it speaks to how we identify ourselves and what type of company we are. Because there are companies in these warmer climates that just absolutely murder it, that do really, really well. But in terms of like both gross profit and net profit, bottom line, it's really tough for us to beat those cold markets. And it's so, you know, counterintuitive. Really? Now you find is it because you don't have to apply as much, you know, products and materials at certain times or is labor relatively a little cheaper? Or I mean, what I guess, what are you finding that's kind of helping increase that gross profit? I think that there's a mix of factors. But if you're like, Alan, name the number one factor, it's the amount that we can charge. Okay, nice. And I'm only doing quarterly service. I'm not doing monthly, bi-monthly service, Mm -hmm. right? So but that's got to be the number one factor. We can just charge more. We typically have higher contract averages, not the highest. There's some companies that have higher, but we're probably in the 90th percentile. Give or take. Awesome. All right, man. Let's see. What you got for me? What book are you reading right now? Good question. So I'm actually reading Unshakable again, the Tony Robbins book. Oh, nice. Yeah. I haven't read that. That looks like an old one. Nice. I think this one was from like 2018, I believe, or something like that. Let's see. Oh, okay. I saw the picture of Tony Robbins on the cover and I thought it was, he looked a lot younger. So he's got three like financial books. He's got the original one he did, which is like uh, Money Master the Game. Let's see. Yeah. Money Master the Game. And then this was the second one. This one came out in 2017. 
And then he had one come out in 2020 called The Path with hmm. co-author Peter Malik, who owns like a financial advisement firm, which I guess was like one of the you know top financial advisement firms over like six years or something like that. So it's really good. It just it's a lot of basics, right? It talks just a lot about the markets, you know, how in the long run the markets are always going to go up, you know, based on the economy just always improving and companies becoming more efficient and generating mm-hmm. more profits. It talks a lot about 401ks and mutual funds and the fees associated with them and how if you're not careful, you can basically end up eliminating a ton of your retirement finances if you're in high fee mutual funds and your 401k plans, you know, if they're ran from insurance companies or payroll companies and they have like ridiculous amount of fees you don't know about. And then it kind of just talks about, you know, just you know, long-term safe investment strategies, like investing in indexes or ETFs and things like that. So just really basic. But then I just snagged this one from Amazon. It came in the other day too. You've probably read this one, but The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, I've never read it before, but I've heard a lot about it. But, and I just, I kind of love how it's like very biblical- yeah. written, right? Yeah, it's so, kind of old school, the format. Yeah. You know, it's like talking about like keeping a lean purse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of excited to read that one. I'll be doing that one next. So Nice. Yeah. And those types of books, you know, I was recording a podcast yesterday and I told the host of the podcast, I was actually the guest. I told him that, you know, it's impossible for us to raise our businesses above the level of our personal development. So to kind of clarify that, in order for us to get our businesses better, we have to improve personally. And a lot of business owners don't think about that. They're like, no, I'm just going to hustle my business. I'm going to work harder. One of the best things that you can do is become a better leader. You become better with money and then you can share that and increase your business. But you know, with books like The Richest Man in Babylon that just talk about kind of these laws that govern money, man, in order to become a bug money millionaire, like people have to invest in other things too. That's the wise thing to do. I went through my net worth statement just a couple of days ago. And I think you know, a good chunk of my net worth is in my pest control companies, like 50-ish percent, which I think that's okay, but I have other assets, some much riskier. Pest control is very cool because it's stable. But those types of books, you know, you were just talking about 401k and alternative forms of investment and crypto and all these things you're wanting to get into or that you're already in. And in order to be a really successful business owner, you can't just stick your head in the sand and learn pest control. You got to be well-rounded. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, it's like, yeah, you can expect that, you know, and obviously my strategy is pest control business is going to be the one that really sets me up for retirement, you know, and creates the real financial freedom that I'm looking for. But you can't just rely on one thing too, right? So it's like, you know, even while you're building your pest control business, you got to continue to build other assets and diversify, you know, whether it's stocks, crypto, you know, whether it's, you know, 401k or IRAs or real estate, or, you know, buy into other companies and invest and start other things. It's like, you don't want to have all your eggs in the one basket. And and exactly. that's where you know I'm at right now. It's like I got some decent investment stuff that I've been working on over the years, but you know a lot of my net worth is still in Arusa. You know, probably yeah. a good good majority of it. So I want to you know obviously keep growing that. You know, but 
look at starting to expand that into other areas as well too. Yeah. Love it, man. That's smart. Yep. So my question for you is what is one of your, and it doesn't have to be short-term, you know, maybe it can be this year or more long-term goal. What's one of your goals that you have set that's the one that scares you the most, if you don't mind sharing? That scares me the most. I like that. Man. You know, what's weird is that I process my goals so frequently that they become second nature. I want a hundred million dollar net worth in a fixed period of time, a relatively short period of time. That one scares me. That's huge. One of my goals in 2022 is to finish my book. That one is actually very scary because of all the different directions I'm being pulled in. But I love the question, dude, because it really makes you think and it makes you think about the right things. Because if somebody's like, well, no, my goals don't scare me. Well, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that they're not big enough, right? Like, are you stretching yourself enough if your goals don't scare you a little bit? Yeah. You know, another one that I just thought of in the next eight years, I want to have 15 partners that are millionaires. So 15 of my business partners, I want to help them become millionaires. And I'm on like number four or something. And that goal is one that makes me super proud. That'll be the focus huge. isn't on me. Yeah. Well, like I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, you know, help three people make more money than they've ever made in their lives and you'll make more money than you've ever made in your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times people lose sight of that. You know, it's like we always want to take care of our own, you know, but it's like a lot of times by just helping take care of other people, or at least maybe not even taking care of them, but putting them in those opportunities to do so themselves you know, it inevitably helps you as well. Yeah, no, and that's true. And it's something that, and this doesn't come natural to me, man. I'm just a regular guy that has flaws and I've struggled with some partners over the years. I've struggled with some employees and some relationships and I'm not perfect. And people have even called me out on stuff that I've said it on my podcast and they're right, man. There's stuff that I got to get better at. But one of my goals is to just be a really good partner. Just be somebody that other successful people want to do business with and more than for the opportunity, just because of what I'm giving back. Dude, I've been blessed with a lot. And, you know, my three year old daughter is like knocking on my door right now. Like I can work from home and I have a healthy three year old daughter. And so there's, you know, some of me feels a little bit of guilt, dude. Like I've got to give something back. Yeah. You know, you know, have you worked with any charities or have you worked with any organizations or anything like that? Yeah. So Proof actually has a nonprofit that just got organized and recognized by the IRS. It's called Proof Gives Back. But since we started Proof, we've usually teamed up with other local nonprofits. We've gone to food banks. I've gone to halfway houses in Detroit. We've you know done all sorts of different things. But 2022 is going to be our first year where we can raise money and organize nonprofit activities to get others involved. So that's awesome. We're super excited about that. Do you have like a certain focus that you're kind of looking at going towards with your guys's nonprofit? Yeah. So we have just because of our different geos, we like people to get invested. And so we want them mm-hmm. to be involved in the decision, but we're focused on families. So we're focused on helping people in different ways, right? We've gone to shelters and halfway houses and we've helped paint and build houses and stuff like that. So it's kind of a pretty broad category, but you know, we're not focused on pets. We're not focused on veterans per se. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those, but ours is mostly focused on families, helping them live better. I love that. 
Love it. So, well, you know, we're getting close to wrapping up. We should do this more often and we should get questions from, you know, everybody else and just ask each other because you and I have different strengths. There's so much that you do and you have experience with that I don't have. And that's why I was curious about a lot of this. But, you know, I'm excited for a ruse. I've heard what you guys have been talking about for 2022. And I'm really excited for the industry. There's a lot of good things happening. Pest World is in Boston this year. We have a office in Boston. So, and I actually haven't been to it for a couple of years. So it'll be nice to be good to get you out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go stop in and see if anyone knows who you are. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of weird, right? Because it's getting to that point where I'm involved in some other things, but I'm not going to lose touch with the pest industry. And I do have one bit of really exciting news. I recently acquired the majority ownership of a company called uh, Scorpion Repel. And it's primarily focused on keeping scorpions out of houses. I'm also involved with a company called 95 Applications that has a patent for a product called Aversion, which basically they paint around the stem wall of a house that helps keep scorpions. It's 100% effective if applied correctly. Scorpions can't scale it. And because they can't dig or fly, the bark scorpions specifically, they can't get into the home. But I'm really excited about that for 2022 and 2023. We don't franchise proof, but our anticipation with scorpion repel is to franchise it across the Southern United States, some of the warmer climates where proof isn't at. So excited for That's that. That's cool. Huge. So I love uh, it, man. Yeah, man. Well, this was awesome. You know, there's a lot going on in the industry. I've been listening to some other uh, podcasts and it sounds like valuations and deals are still really high. There's a lot of money being invested. There's money being invested in a lot of places. Money's pretty easy to come by nowadays, but pest control is getting a lot of it. It's getting a lot more private equity than it used to get. And I'm just really excited about the future of pest control. Yeah, me too. I'm curious to see how it's going to play out through 2022. I mean, I'm super excited just for the growth that we're going to be putting on and the directions that we're going to be going as well. And, and I'm just really excited to see, you know, my team and my leadership team really kind of step up and take control and kind of, you know, start taking this the direction that they excel in, right? I know. Yep. And, I, and I keep using the line that you've mentioned multiple times where it's like, when you start a business, you do everything. And then as you build the business and you bring on people, you do whatever you have to do. And then you get to a point where you can do what you love to do. And it's kind of nice to see that I'm starting to get to that point and I'm excited to see how that plays out. I don't know if I'll be good at it yet, but yeah. it may take a little practice, right? Yeah. Dude, I'm excited for you. It's scary. Like in each type of change or any type of development, it's a little scary, but the cool thing is, is you start to control your time a little bit. And it's not saying you're leaving Arusa, right? At all. That's not what it's saying, but it feels like it almost. It almost does. Yeah. Yeah. But what it's saying is, hey, I'm going to be able to do what a true owner does. And that's focus on the things that I think add the most value to Arusa and get out of people's way. And I was able to do that with proof. I was like able to step back and get people in there that could help carry forth the vision of proof, but are, you know, more talented than I am, to be frank, right? Yeah. More talented than I am and have helped carry out the vision a little better than I may have been able to, but I'm still helping direct that vision and I'm still there to motivate and I'm still there to make sure that things don't fall through the cracks because no one can replace the owner of a small business. You really can't. So I'm excited, man. 
That's going to be awesome. We'll have to keep track of how that goes. And that's the thing. People calling me quite a bit and they're saying, Hey, Alan, I've got a couple of years and I need to step back from the business. How do I do it? And it's really important. I think one of the best barometers of how successful a business is, is what does it look like without the business owner in the day-to-day? How successful is that business is directly proportionate to how little the business owner actually has to do. Yeah. So I think we got the right people to make it happen. So I'm super excited to watch it play out. So Awesome. Here's to 2022, man. Let's make the the bug bucks freaking skyrocket. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited for the industry. And, you know, the sky's the limit. It always has been, but there's something about the new year that like, you know, it brings this new element of hope and encouragement. And it's like, dude, anything's possible. And I think the key is to take that with us so that November, 2022, December, 22, we're still pushing forward with that same determination and hope. So, all right, man. Well, here's to Arusa. Here's to Proof. Here's to the Bug Bucks podcast. And here's to the Bug Money millionaires that that are going to happen in, in 2022 that are going to become Bug Money millionaires. We're excited for all you guys. Now, don't forget to go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your streaming source so we can get you added into the giveaway for the two sessions with Alan and myself. So... Let's do it. All right. We'll catch you later, Saul. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode.